Hi, and welcome back to Holistic Health Masterclass Podcast. Uh, this is Brett Hawes, and we're back with our first episode uh, for 2020. Um, today, we are talking all about how to protect yourself from electromagnetic frequencies or EMFs. Uh, this is a very, very hot button uh, topic these days. Um, you know, with 5G rolling out around the world, uh, we've got um, literally hundreds of scientists that are sounding the alarm uh, due to lack of safety testing. And, um, you know, if you're in the know on this subject um, or you've listened to my podcast previously with uh, Dr. Jack Cruz, um, you'll be familiar that non-native EMFs, um, 5G, wireless radiation, whatever you want to call it, uh, is a is is a fairly big threat um, in this day and age. So the challenge that we have, though, is that we don't really have a lot of options to avoid it. Okay, so even if you're, you know, like myself, uh, living out in the country, um, you know, I still have Wi-Fi, I still have neighbors, um, there's still a small town. So while my exposure might be less um, than someone living in a city, it's very, very difficult to escape um, EMFs entirely. And so really, uh, what we discuss on today's show is how to protect yourself from EMFs. So we do talk a little bit about um, what the health implications are, um, etc. But we spend most of our time talking about uh, technology and um, you know how we can actually uh, help ourselves. So my guest today is Brian Hoyer. Um, Brian is the uh, founder of a company called Shielded Healing, and um, he has quite an interesting background. Um, so you know him and his wife essentially built uh, an, an EMF um, free or shielded uh, tiny house back in 2017. Um, he has studied through the Klinghart Academy and is a uh, nutritional therapy practitioner, but has really um, dedicated pretty much all of his time now um, to uh, helping people shield their homes. So as you'll hear on the show, um, we do discuss a lot of the technology that he's using. Uh, we talk about shielding paint. We talk about units that you can plug onto your home. Um, etc etc and um, coincidentally uh, literally two days ago at time of recording here uh, or time of publishing um, there was a study that came out that uh, showed a 90% reduction in autoimmune disease uh, with people who shielded their bedroom okay so you'll hear on the show about shielding paint um, and that is a 90% reduction I have heard that from other people as well um, there are some testimonials uh, kicking around and I believe there might be a testimonial on Brian's website which is uh, shieldedhealing.com by the way and uh, yeah so very interesting um, I would be I would stop a little short of saying that EMFs are the sole cause or of, of autoimmune disease, or if you just shield yourself from EMFs, that that's you know the, the be all and end all. I still think there are many other moving parts. Uh, I I do, however, find it very interesting um, that EMFs are playing such a big role in autoimmune disease. An interesting sidebar here, and you will hear the, you will hear us talk about this, is the impact of EMFs on pathogens. Okay, so viruses, bacteria, um, et cetera, et cetera. So we touch on that uh, quite briefly. Um, anyway, uh, that's it from my side. Um, thanks for tuning into the show. And as always, if you do enjoy today's episode, uh, please share this with your friends, family, and community. And of course, uh, leave us a review and subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss any episodes. All right, so without further ado, uh, welcome to the show, Brian Hoyer. 
Hey, Brian. Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me today. Yeah, nice to be here, Brett. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, and uh, it was took a little bit for us to iron out the schedule and some technical glitches ahead of this recording, but nonetheless, here we are making it happen. So that's great. Um, where to start? I mean, you and I, I actually came across your work in some of the forums and groups that we're in, uh, in the functional medicine space. And I was kind of very interested in what you do because I haven't seen many people do it. And obviously the topic today is electromagnetic radiation. Um, so perhaps give us a little bit of background and, and you know, how did you become interested in all of this and, and work with some of the technology that you're working with? Yeah, well, I kind of have a started off as a more of a functional nutritional therapy practitioner. And through that work, you know, I had a practice in California, about 50 uh, clients that I was working with and doing trying to do some basic stuff with them, heal their guts and, and get their energy levels back and working on adrenal, you know, burnout and some, some of those things, thyroid issues, gut issues, digestive problems. And through that, I took some continuing education at the Klinghardt Institute. And so I, like Dr. Klinghardt's been one of my big mentors over the last five or six years. And uh, one of the things that he really focuses on in his uh, health practice in both the United States and over in Europe is he doesn't see any patients unless they've addressed the electromagnetic radiation issue. Oh, wow. Okay. That, that, that's, that's pretty significant. Yeah. So he has, he has like a protocol that he puts in place and that's the first thing he wants them to do. Otherwise he says he can't really work with them. They're not going to make really any significant progress. And he's kind of one of those doctors that uh, people will see after they've already seen 20 doctors who can't figure out what's wrong mm -hmm. with the person. So when he said that, it kind of hit me like this is a big issue. And so I went off and I started searching for uh, solutions for my own people that I was helping. And I found a few things here and there, but there was really nothing that was like addressing it the way that I normally would address things with, with the people that I was working with. Cause everything was more, was thinking more along the lines of, okay, let's, eat more ancestrally, eat like our ancestors ate. That's the way humans have eaten for thousands or millions of years. And so we need to try to figure out what's the best uh, set of food for you to eat and, and the things for you to put into your body. And I wanted the same thing for the environment. I wanted to recreate an ancestral environment for people. And it seemed like there was a few people who were dabbling in EMF mitigation but they weren't really approaching it from the same, uh, the same way as I was from that more ancestral perspective. It was like, okay, just reduce this a little bit here. And then you might see some symptoms improve, but I'm, I'm not at all about improving symptoms. I want to see actual healing and optimization happen for people. Hmm. And so, you know, I just identifying what are the top stressors in a home was something that was very important to me. And it includes, electric fields, it includes magnetic fields, it includes the wireless, but it also includes dirty electricity, it includes geopathic stress that's coming up from the earth, and it includes artificial light, which, yeah. which a lot of people are ignoring. 
and the, the flicker stress and in the spectrum. And so that's where I kind of bring everything together and, and uh, have discovered solutions along the way to, to fix a lot of these problems that we have in the modern house and, and workplace really. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I mean, so much to unpack there in, in just uh, a few short sentences, but it seems to me, you know, I had Dr. Jack Cruz on the, on the show and we spoke primarily about light, you know, and so this, the idea of, of blue light, especially blue light at night when we should be seeing more red light and how that disrupts melatonin, et cetera, et cetera. But it seems to me like the main focus of your work is more on the electromagnetic um, radiation, the EMFs, the dirty electricity side of things. I mean, is that a fair thing to say? Or are you dealing a lot with blue light? Yeah, well, you know, light is on the electromagnetic spectrum. So it's technically, you know, you could argue that it is a type of mm -hmm. EMF and it's a type of artificial EMF. I think Jack Cruz would agree with that too. Yeah. Um, in fact, I've heard him say that before. But um, he's but but as far as like the things that we focus on, yeah, there's six stressors. Five of them are basically types of EMF stressors that are more electrical or magnetic, and then there's the artificial light that's a result of the pulsation of the electricity and the light bulb that we screw in that we turn on is pulsating because largely because of the pulsing electricity that we're running it on, and so it kind of goes hand in hand together a little bit, mm -hmm. but as far as uh, creating an environment that's more like your ancestors, the goal in the house is to match the indoor environment with the outdoor environment as far as light goes, and then match the electrical environment with the environment that we had before humans had electricity and wireless transmissions. Wow. So, so, so sounds challenging, um, especially considering that we're, bombarded with uh, radiation all day long and as we scale up our technology and move into 5g and all that sort of stuff i mean it's uh, it, it, it there seems to be no escape um so you know this is actually the whole reason why i got you on the show is to share some solutions with us but before we do that you know lightning fast just for some listeners perhaps who have not tuned into emfs yet or who don't really know much about it can you just explain in a nutshell what electromagnetic radiation or electromagnetic frequencies really are yeah so there's natural types of electromagnetic fields and then there's also unnatural types the natural types are non-pulsed and they're direct and constant. So like we have DC current, direct current from the earth. That's a natural uh, electric field that we get from the earth. It's uh, the same field that we would get from a battery. Uh, what we have that's unnatural that we're using that we plug all of our devices into and that's surging through all of our walls is AC. It's alternating current. It's a pulsed current. In nature, we don't get any of that pulsation same way as you don't get a pulsed uh, light from the sun, whereas we do get that mm. from the lights that we plug into the pulsed electricity because it's pulsing at 60 hertz or 50 hertz, depending on where you live. And so that's 120 ons and offs every single second when you're, when you're looking at a, at a light bulb. And so with LEDs, they turn off immediately. And so those will go on and off like 120 times, literally. But with an incandescent bulb where the filament lights up and heats up, it doesn't 
cool down fast enough to turn completely off. So there's a little bit of, it's not a, a, a strict like black and white flicker, but there's a glow and a, a dimming and a, and a rejuvenation and an illumination that happens with, with incandescent bulbs. So it's less stressful than an LED bulb. But all of these different types of electromagnetic fields, there's you can split it up into like like vastly different categories. There's non-ionizing and ionizing, but basically what I, the way I like to explain it to people is there's things that have been around forever since, since basically the beginning of life. And then there's things that haven't, that we have introduced into our environments that are actually wreaking havoc in many ways on our biological processes, our circadian rhythms and, and, uh, interrupting and disrupting the way that our cells are supposed to be reacting to other biophysical processes that are in the body. So we have voltage in the body and there's interference fields that are coming from outside the body that were never there before in the history of mankind. And those are the types of things that I'm I'm looking at and saying, we need to try to recreate that ancestral environment, especially at certain times uh, that are the most important. And we'll talk about that probably later, but there's yeah. certain times where it's most important to make sure that you're free of those interference fields. And there's other times when it's not as important. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, that's a great explanation and a, a couple of points to just sort of add and get your input on. My understanding as well is that, you know, if you just think about it on a very basic level, we're we're designed to resonate with the natural frequencies of the earth, right? So the Schumann resonance fields, you know, if you think we live on earth and we've got these, these uh, circular bands of uh, frequencies that really stem from the center of the earth and, and go in bands all the way out um, into the solar system, we're designed biologically to function with the band that sort of surrounds the earth, right? So just underneath the crust to maybe just up into the uh, uh, lower atmosphere. And so my understanding is that we're biologically designed to function like that. However, we're creating technology and electricity that vibrates at a much higher frequency and that's essentially taking us out of our resonant frequency which as you said you know at the cellular level uh, from an electrical perspective in our body that's obviously wreaking havoc on many body processes um is that a is that a fair explanation do, do you feel yeah definitely there you know there's the schumann resonance and then there's also the dc current that's coming up from the earth and then you know from from a geological perspective, there's also this phenomenon called geopathic stress or geoelectricity or telluric currents in the literature, and that has changed as well. Yes. Yeah, so what 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 is that? Because I mean, I've heard you know you hear about geopathic stress. Maybe just elaborate on that a little more. And um, what's the difference between that and EMFs? So that that is actually a natural type of stress that we that humans have had for you know since since the beginning of the earth and it, it's an interaction it's several different types of interactions that happen and it's under a general term geopathic stress but it's due to the earth's magnetic field and the interaction with solar radiation from the sun that ionizes and and basically beams back down and charges the earth and then radiates back up that's that's one type. Those are called Hartman and Curry lines, and they kind of form this grid pattern all over the Earth. 
And then there's also geologic activity that, that happens under the earth where there's different ore deposits or underground water and springs that are flowing through, throwing under, flowing under extreme pressure through rock and silt and all different kinds of uh, layers of minerals. And when those minerals mix together, they compact and press against one another and it creates an energy that comes up that's wow. more extreme in some areas than others. So our ancestors, they had a feeling of, of this because they didn't have any of the other interference fields that we have mm. today. Mm. So like the Chinese, they were the first people that developed the compass and, and uh, they had feng shui and they talked about how the earth has meridians and they could like put stakes in the ground. They called it earth acupuncture and they could reorient where these energy lines are flowing based on poking a metal stake in the ground. Wow. <laughs> and Incredible. <laughs> so like we, we have these traditions like from, from uh, China, from ancient Greece and Rome and even native Americans had, you know, had problems when we first came uh, to America and were putting metal in the ground because they believed it was disturbing the energy of their ancestors and things like that. So there's, you know, you kind of look at these ancient traditions and a lot of things you think, Oh yeah, they were just superstitious or whatever. But you know, it turns out that a lot of things, especially in like Chinese medicine, you're finding out that there is something to those acupuncture points. There are energy that's, that's flowing through certain uh, parts of the nervous system. Yeah. Same lines where the acupuncture points are. And mm. the meridians are and everything. So um, there's, and you can actually measure this stuff. And the issue with geopathic stress now as compared to before is that now all of these conductive pathways that are flowing underneath the Earth's crust are also exposed to unnatural types of radiation that we've created. So they're conducting pulsating currents as well as the natural currents that were there before that were already higher in some areas than others. And so we've kind of create, we've got this whole earth that we've got all these transmitting antennas beaming down onto these conductive surfaces now. And whenever anything starts to grab even a micro voltage, it will retransmit at its own resonant frequency. However big that conductive surface is, it'll retransmit a, uh, a frequency. And if it's unnatural frequency, that adds unnatural disruption to the ecosystem and to our biology. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's that's kind of crazy, actually, um, you know, just when you put it like that, because it really adds a whole another layer onto, um, you know, what we would call EMFs, right, or, or just uh, electromagnetic, electromagnetic radiation. But, you know, a um, couple of things that come to mind is, is just, you know, when you think of, for lack of a better word, uh, fault lines, you know, where you've got these like power centers um, around the earth, whether they be healing wells, whether they be pyramids, whether they be, um, you know, ancient archaeological sites, where I think the ancients somehow knew that they were on these, these in this grid, you know, in a power spot or in mm -hmm. a power zone. And um, yeah, so you just have to wonder nowadays um, what's going on. You know, you, you think about population growth, you think about um, industry and technology and buildings and architecture and, and infrastructure. And yeah, you know, just to your point, like that's kind of mind blowing um, to think that our biology hasn't evolved accordingly. 
Do you know what I mean? And I think that's yeah. where the that's where the big disconnect is. You know, if we could evolve at that faster pace, um, we would all be biologically hardwired to be perfectly fine. And obviously, that's not the case because evolution just takes a lot longer than um, the the rate of industrialization, if you will. But yep. so how? I mean, I want to come back to the measuring of of all of this. Um, but before I do that, you know, how would someone know, you, you know, that they're sensitive to geopathic stress? I mean, EMFs, like I'll just throw the obvious ones out there. So circadian rhythm, maybe elevated cortisol levels for no reason, um, sleep issues, uh, stuff like that. But I mean, geopathic stress, it seems like, and EMS for that matter, it seems like the implications would be very, very broad and might differ from person to person. So are there common threads that run um, through everyone who's sensitive? I mean, there there is there are some commonalities and just from the people that I've worked with and, and we've shielded their, their rooms, you know, you see common symptoms going away and definitely mm. sleep disturbances is a huge broad one, but it's also, it also, and that's especially since we're working on shielding people's bedrooms because that's where we believe like you get the most bang for your buck as far as your, your health improvements. But, um, commonalities, I mean, there's different commonalities depending on the frequency too. So okay, like, like artificial light stress, uh, it, a lot of people have eye fatigue and headaches from, from the flickering light that you can't perceive with your brain, but your eye is responding to the light so fast that your brain even faster than what your brain can perceive so it's like a strobe light for your eye hmm. even though your brain can't perceive that there's a flickering light there and so there's some neurological symptoms that go along with that uh, with the flickering of the light but the same thing happens with the pulsating electricity that you're constantly exposed to uh, in your office or or where, wherever you're uh, you're sleeping because we're running the the pulsating light is 60 hertz, but so is the electricity that it's running on. So it's almost like your whole body, your the light is pulsating, and then your body is perceiving this constant pulsation that's happening all around you when you're surrounded by the 60 hertz. Hmm. So it's a it's it's something where you know you can measure things like a rise in cortisol. You can measure. Um, you know, stress response and inflammation, that sort of thing because of the voltage gated calcium ion channels and the perioxynitrite production um, that happens physiologically because of the different types of EMF. But yeah, it's, it, it really is different for every person because each person has different genetics, a different weak point, Right. but it usually attacks the, the weakest link because that's, that's where the inflammation will kind of set in. Interesting. Yeah. And so I guess, you know, that's really what makes it very tricky, right? Because you might not like, let's just hypothetically say your sleep was fine, but you had some kind of issue, you might not trace it back to um, EMFs, right? And, and to geopathic stress, which I'm sure, you know, so coming full circle, I mean, this is why I think this is one of those things that just you need to address regardless of whether you have health issues or not, or regardless of what the health issue actually is. Um, yeah, and like, you know, there was, there was a colleague of mine that we shielded her room like three months ago, and she had hypothyroidism. And the first two nights of sleeping in the shielded room, she was having hyperthyroid symptoms. Wow. So she was getting, 
elevated heart rate, elevated temperature, and you know, feeling of hyperventilation, like her metabolism was just ramping up like crazy the first two nights she slept in her shielded room. And then she realized, oh my gosh, I'm still taking my thyroid glandular. She cut that out and everything went back to normal. So her, you know, what she needed before to help ramp up her metabolism, she didn't need almost immediately after not having this, the, that EMF stress. So her body just kind of self-regulated and said, okay, now I don't need to ramp up my metabolism anymore because I don't need to be ramped up to deal with all this stress. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, it's almost like you're adding, like you, you have too much on top of what you're doing already, right? So it's, it's like the, the shielding is balancing you out and then you're taking thyroid medication on top of that, which is sending you into hyperdrive right exactly yeah yeah i think i saw that somewhere on on facebook i forget where it was it was in one of the groups i, I remember seeing that testimonial which was it kind of blew my mind um i'm not sure if it was before or after i i connected with you but that was just like something that stuck with me and that's a very very powerful testimony um but but how do you so how do you go about measuring all this stuff right i mean you know you do home assessments from what i understand um you've got a team of people around the us so you know you come at someone's home what are the things you're looking for how are you measuring the stress uh in someone's home well we we test six different stressors right now and so electric fields magnetic fields dirty electricity artificial light geopathic stress and wireless radiation. Those are the six. And for just wireless radiation, I have my team, each, each person has about four different types of meters that they're measuring just wireless with. And I found that you can't just have one meter that measures all of one thing. Um, unless it's something simple, like a magnetic field, you can have one Gauss meter to measure magnetic fields. Uh, one thing to measure electric fields possibly actually we need two things for that but um, there you know there's the person assessing your house is only as good as their equipment that they bring and so what I've found is I've kind of scourged everything and and spent a lot of money trying to figure out what's going to work the best but the most sensitive meters and equipment that we have are things that actually measure the body as an antenna for the wireless radiation hmm. And most, most of the professionals that are out there doing this are taking very expensive equipment that's usually made by the telecom industry to measure signal strength or, or uh, you know, just measure the air and see if they have enough signal. But as soon as you start measuring the body, you realize what frequencies are most reactive to the body and onto the skin and also how some areas where you're just measuring the air it seems okay, but when you measure the body, it's astronomically different. That, that's very interesting. I just got to interject there because it makes total sense if you think about it, right? I mean, if I'm just measuring my environment, logically, you would think that if I've got a, whatever, a Wi-Fi router, like the only thing that's going to change is the reach of the router, right? So like if I go and measure in my backyard, maybe I'm going to pick up a weak signal from the router. And obviously the closer I get to the router, the signal is going to be stronger. But I love the fact that you're looking at how it affects people, right? Because I would assume here, and correct me if I'm wrong, that some people are going to be a lot more sensitive. Therefore, if you measure and use them as an antenna, 
um, you might find even two people standing at exactly the same distance, perhaps even the same spot, might have a very different reading, right? Yeah, it can. It can fluctuate depending on how hydrated the person is, how big the person is, how many heavy metals are in their body, that mm. sort of thing. Um, the The largest factor really is the size of the person's body and their hydration status. Because if you're if you're dehydrated, it's kind of a catch twenty two. You're not as much of an antenna, but then you've got the dehydration going, which which causes all kinds of other sorts of symptoms. Hmm. So. And we know that EMF also dehydrates you. And so, you know, a lot of people will fluctuate from feeling, feeling okay versus not feeling okay around different types of EMF. And it could be as simple as like, like they can't find a pattern, but maybe the pattern is they're dehydrated and they're not feeling as much of a symptom from the Wi-Fi, but then they get hydrated and then <laughs> they feel more symptoms and then wow. the Wi-Fi dehydrates them. And then, you know, so that's why it's kind of tricky to, to determine, is this affecting me or not? And you can't really tell until you have completely blocked that out, at least at night. And what I've found is that it's not the Wi-Fi router and the stuff inside your house that is the most pernicious and detrimental. It's actually the towers, the television, the radio, and the cell phone towers that are outside the house that are beaming in and designed to penetrate into people's homes so they have cell phone reception in their homes. That those are the uh, types of frequencies that are designed to penetrate in and come onto the antennas of our phones and our tablets and, and all of our devices and to resonate back onto other antennas that are out there. So our, our body is like a huge conductive surface and a lot of the meters that people have out there are just a little tiny antenna and your body is like, you know, 500, 1,000, maybe 10,000 times more surface area than the little antenna that's in a meter. So you know, when you're, and also there's a resistance on the skin and a certain, a certain resistance that's on the skin. So when I'm measuring the body, I'm really only measuring maybe halfway up the arm. I'm not measuring the entire body. So if I was okay. to do that, there's a cumulative effect on the body where you can measure up, up to the arm. You're basically measuring your whole arm as an antenna, but you're getting a, a, a good reading, like the most sensitive reading possible and then we compare that to, okay, what is it in, in this area versus that area? And, and what are the results that we have with people as far as their uh, reports of feeling better and the health improvements and the lab reports and the aura ring information that we get from certain customers and things like that? Okay, interesting. So, so I mean, obviously... You know, shutting down wireless at night, um, shutting down the routers, turning off the smart TVs, perhaps unplugging smart TVs and, and whatever. It seems to me like that is an obvious thing to do for everyone. But just circling back to something you said, you know, the if, if I've got these um, antennas outside of my house and they're beaming in, if I turn off all of my equipment, what does that mean? Like, does that mean that it's not coming in or does it mean that I become the, the conductor or, or how does that work? Well, it just means you've, when you turn off the stuff inside your house, we still always recommend that because it's stuff that's really close to you and you have control over it. It means you're reducing your exposure by maybe 2% or less. Oh, wow. Okay. You know, uh, okay. depending on how close it was to you beforehand. You yeah, know. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously, but, if you're like sitting under high tension power lines and you've got a cell phone tower right next to your bedroom, it's going to be really bad for you. Um, 
you know, whereas if it's further away, obviously the the the, the amount is much less. Um, but that's kind of crazy, like two percent. I mean, that seems pretty minimal. Yeah, it, it can be, and you know, it's it's based on this body measurement, and that's why we have to have multiple meters because the body measurement that we take is testing the body as an antenna. So we're testing the signal strength of the body uh, for all of these frequencies that are were surrounded with on these towers that have transmitters beaming down into and penetrating into our homes. Mm -hmm. And then there's other meters that measure the indoor environments better. And that's the things that measure the air. So all the equipment that a lot of the other professionals out there have that they're measuring with, they're kind of synced into measuring things around the house. They don't do a good job of picking up things from outside the house coming in. Okay. So you, you actually need both in order to have a, a good assessment and to know exactly what to do to, to help recreate an environment where you have no exposure. I mean, I've, I've done assessments for different professionals' houses that use all the, all the different kinds of meters, and they're surprised when I pull out the body measurement meter and they're like, oh, I thought I was good. And then they, and then they realize that they're, they're being absolutely uh, blasted by some – uh, television or radio tower or cell phone tower outside that their other meter just did not pick up in any significant way. Interesting. So, um, okay. So, um, so you're doing like this, the sort of human antenna measuring um, for, for everyone. Is that like, so I, I don't know how to frame this up, but you're using someone as an antenna. You're measuring things that are coming from outside. You're measuring the internal environment. Is this also going to pick up on, what you would call dirty electricity and perhaps you can explain what dirty electricity actually is. Sure. Yeah. We have another meter that we use to measure uh, body voltage and we also use the same meter to measure body amps or body current. And so that's the one that's the uh, body measurement for dirty electricity, which you have to take. Otherwise you don't know. You could have zero body voltage. You could have your breakers off in your house and you could still be getting a carcinogenic level of body amps going through your body. And there could be no RF. And that is dirty electricity coming in to your house through the, even if your power is all off, it can come through your house on the ground wire and the neutral wire and the hot wire, even though it's off. And it can go through all the wires in your walls and through your body from one area of your house to another. Because your body, your body is basically this conduit for any voltage transfer or uh, current transfer, mm. um, and that's why when we do these assessments in people's homes, we're looking to to block any current transfer or voltage transfer from one side of your room to the other, and that creates an environment where your body is not perceiving anything going through it, just like you would have in nature before electricity existed. Wow. <laughs> crazy well let's hop into it then um you know we've spoken a lot about shielding um i've obviously really checked out a lot of your work so what are some of the solutions that you offer um that you find you use the most or or perhaps use the most but perhaps also infer the most benefit for people yeah well one of the things right off the top um that we can recommend pretty much blanket to everybody is to filter their house for this this dirty electricity you can actually filter the hot and the neutral wires uh, on your electrical panel with a whole house filter called the Superpower Perfect Box. And 
we recommend that that's installed at the main panel. And what that does is it filters all of the electricity before it gets onto the breakers for the rest of your house. There's, there's a lot of filters out there that are plugins that can kind of filter pockets of your house, which sometimes that's a better solution for people that are in a more temporary situation or something like that. But this filters things, you know, everything from outside the house before it comes in. And then if there's anything inside your house that's creating dirty electricity, we have to kind of fine tune that and uh, either filter or get rid of or replace things that are creating the, these harmonics and these thousands of different wireless frequencies that are jumping onto your electrical lines. And that, that's essentially what dirty electricity is. We kind of skipped over that definition, but it's all these harmonics and different thousands of frequencies that are wireless frequencies that penetrate deeper into the body than the 60 Hertz. And those are actually more damaging than the 60 Hertz itself in many ways. So where, so where did these come from? I mean, are these coming from neighbors? Are they coming from like certain types of um, gadgets or electronics in the house? Yeah, both really. The, the, the biggest thing in houses is fluorescent bulbs, uh, solar inverters for people that have solar panels. Uh, we've even oh, measured wow. the, we've huh. even measured these little flashlight chargers that actually put out as much as a solar inverter for like like one house had like five or six of these plugged in and we had we unplugged all of them and their readings went way way down so mm. sometimes it can be something really little you just have to have the tools to measure it and and figure it out and it's as easy as unplugging it to reduce your exposure so so what i'm hearing then is is you know perhaps unplugging everything at night you know uh, do, do do you go so far as to say turn the breaker off i mean it seems a little like extreme uh to me anyway just when you've got like stuff that perhaps set on a timer or perhaps that's pre-programmed or something like that because you're essentially gonna have to program everything every day um yeah, well, I I used to recommend that in the beginning when I was a newbie doing this stuff to turn off breakers, but I kind of realized pretty quickly that everybody needs to be shielded from all the wireless. And when you when you do shield from the wireless, you have the ability to ground out everything. And so the breakers can stay on and then you're still not exposed to the electric fields when you ground the material between you and that and you're also shielding the wireless from coming in. So right, right. So so that that's the box that you're talking about, right? That you put on your house. No, that's this is something different. So the box, okay. the box will filter the dirty electricity. So in general, that that reduces your exposure in all your daytime areas and your sleep areas. But in the sleep area, we want to completely cut out the electricity. And the way we do that is by doing this special shielding paint on the walls that's conductive, and it's grounded. And you do the walls and the ceiling, and then we have material that we put under the floor as well. So you're basically wrapping your whole room in this earth energy that's DC current. The AC can't get through because it goes right to the ground and, and, and drains out. And then it's also reflecting away all the wireless signals. So it's doing basically essentially three different things. It's taking care of the dirty electricity, it's taking care of the electric fields, and it's uh, reflecting away the wireless signals from outside. Wow. So is is it essential in that setting to also um, turn off the electrical circuits in the walls or is that not needed because of the, the paints on the inside? Yeah, you don't need to. Um, all you need to do is is have things either unplugged in the room because once you plug something yeah. in yeah. and the electricity comes from behind the shielding into the room. But even then, 
if the floor is grounded and the walls are grounded, you can have things plugged in that are a little further away from your bed and just kind of smash it up against the wall that's grounded. And the wall, like you can measure it with the, with the meter. You can see that when it goes near the wall, it almost, the voltage almost sucks in right to the ground. It's always looking wow. for the lowest ground. And so it doesn't come out as far as a room that's not grounded. Huh. That's like super interesting, you know, cause so something I heard and I kind of, I kind of had to go, eh, I'm not sure if I agree with that, but I heard from someone recently from a couple of people actually, you know, cause I, I was talking about shielding paint and they said, Oh no, you don't want to do that because then you shield in all of the EMFs. Like you want the EMFs to escape. And I was kind of like, that doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, I get it. If I, had a whole bunch of electronics plugged in my room and then use shielding paint and put them all in the middle in a pile, maybe that wouldn't be the best thing. But um, from what I'm getting from you, it, it kind of does the opposite, right? Yeah, well, I mean, nobody recommends to shield a room and then just use your cell phone in there or anything like that. But mm -hmm. even, you know, the, the wireless would be the only thing where that could be maybe partially true. But even so... Um, you're, you have control over what you're bringing into the room. Exactly. But the electric fields in a grounded and shielded room, the, the electric fields don't bounce around. They, they kind of go right to the ground. And they're, they're, that's the way they go out. You're, you're like making a super highway on all your walls for the electric fields to, to go away and mm. not even enter the room to begin with. But if they are in, they're going to dissipate much more quickly. And then the wireless with the special type of paint we use and the way that we explain to people to put on the paint, that's all, that's just as important as getting the right product is the process of how you design the shielding and, and the process of going through the proper layering of the shielding paint. And like, but the, when you layer it the right way and you paint it the correct way, there's this absorptive factor that happens. It absorbs, it's a, the paint's made of this graphite and carbon material and it's a, they're soft metals that absorb the radio frequencies more than reflect. And so, yeah, it reflects it away, but there's this absorptive quality to it. So it's not like a, it's not like you're, you know, like a like racket. Reflector but, paint. <laughs> yeah. Like, like you, I kind of, I always have this image of going to the athletic club and seeing those guys that are in those big glass rooms with the racket balls. And, mm -hmm. and if you imagine that's like your, your radio frequency signal, the ball, and you just kind of whack it and it just goes ting, 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 like all around. Mm. That's what people are thinking about when, when they're thinking about, Oh, it's just going to bounce around in there, but it's not really like that. It's more like, you know, taking a basketball and trying to bounce it against the wall it's gonna or a volleyball it just kind of stops yeah yeah and loses its velocity you know mm. so yeah that makes sense um now so you've got the unit on the house you've got the shielded paint um anything else that you find has been the most effective or your, or your go-to's outside of that yeah i mean we we have a whole protocol for for the room and it includes the paint and then this fleece that we put under the under the uh, flooring material. And then for the windows, we have this special shielding fabric that I actually, just for the first time this last week over the holiday weekend, we put it up uh, publicly available on the website for the first time. And it's a shielding fabric that you can use as curtains for the windows or you can actually build a canopy out of it. And 
the fabric is conductive so you can ground it and essentially make your own portable shielded room that typically people will just put right over their bed. Hmm. And that's, that's a, actually a really good solution because you have so much control over the leakage in a, in a canopy type of system. Um, and a lot of people are adverse to painting and kind of the whole process of moving things around. And well, cause yeah, with the, with the paint, you use it as a primer, right? Cause I understand it's black paint. Yeah, it's black and you got to do two layers of it combined with the other, uh, undercoats and top coats. And, uh, and you know it takes a lot to go over black obviously but yeah yeah unless you want a black room i mean you know you're gonna sleep super super good at that point i think but yeah, <laughs> maybe I aesthetically. One, <laughs> i've only had one person who's done the black over the shielding paint and every but every single person that does the shielding paint in the room for a second they think oh maybe i should leave it black this is kind of cool <laughs> but then they that thought leaves their mind usually when the wife shows up <laughs> <laughs> oh man too funny um so coming back to to the to the blue light do you guys do anything about that like do you have anything like i mean i've been i use a certain program on my computer and that helps with that but i just find that there's not a lot going around with regards to tds um, and, and so on. I mean, obviously cell phones, they're all trying to scramble to suck the blue light out, um, at night. And, you know, on that topic, are those any good? Like the, 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 the apps on the cell phones, I mean, do they do much or the apps on the computers? Yeah, they, they do a lot. Um, a lot of people are under this impression that Iris gets rid of flicker, um, and, Hmm. and, or some of the programs can get rid of flicker. It, it doesn't. That's completely dependent upon the the monitor that you're installed installing it on and the hardware in the computer. There's not any software program that I've seen that can uh, change the hardware flicker from a screen. Um, it's usually just you know most Apple products actually have fairly low, extremely low flicker rate compared to some of the. PC products, but with the PC products, it's kind of hit and miss. Some are really good and some are absolutely horrible. Same thing with um, uh, computer monitors and TVs is, you know, OLED, even if it's 4K or whatever, um, it's not, sometimes it's really good and sometimes it's not on the, on the Flickr equipment that we use. So you, you have to test every single thing and, it's unfortunate because you can't just, I can't just recommend, Hey, go out and buy this brand yeah. and this type. Yeah, uh, yeah. Cause that's just not the way that it works. Sometimes there can even be an error in the way they wire a certain model that, that I've seen like where, Oh yeah, this one's normally really good, but yours kind of sucks because we're getting a <laughs> big flicker reading from, from your monitor. Like, well, you told me to buy this one. Well, yeah, I got to say, I mean, I, I installed Iris um, on my, on my laptop. I have a PC and the first day, the, the first day I did that, I just noticed like no headaches, no eye strain, no you know red eyes, etc. So I know that for me personally on this particular system, it worked great. But you know, yeah. we recently, yeah, we recently got a got a TV. So someone gave us an old an old TV. It's a 4K, so it's high definition. It's a great TV. Nothing fancy, not not too huge, but 
I noticed as soon as I turned it on, I was like, whoa, like I can feel the difference because we don't really watch a lot of TV. And, you know, what we've done in the past is just watch it straight off the laptop with the filter on it. Yeah. So it's just very, it's just very different for me. Um, you know, so looking at the TV screen, I was like, oh, it's so much brighter. And I just feel like it's, uh, you know, it, it, yeah, it's, it's just a completely different experience. And so I started looking around for, you know, apps or what can I do? And there's not a whole lot out there. Um, for for smart TVs that I could find. No, I mean there's you know the the blue lights one issue and Iris and and Flux do a good job on that. But yeah, as far as the TVs, the only stuff that's out there that I've seen is like you can get like a film. It's like a cover, cover, yeah, to cover it. But mm. that's that's kind of minimally. Nobody really wants to do that. They want to be able to see color when they watch their television and. Right. You know, so it's, I mean, you could get maybe a yellow kind of tinted one that's not going to have the the big blue spikes in it and things like that. But uh, the best option really is to cover your skin and wear the blue blockers, you know, that's, right. that's right. the best option for that. But another option actually that I've found helps and a lot of our customers find helps is, is to get, um, you're probably familiar with sauna space. They have this, uh, they, they're a sauna company that I consulted with to fully shield their saunas from EMF. So they have zero EMF sauna and they have this product that you can actually, uh, it's like a, just a single light, but it has a 250 watt bulb in it. And, and so that, that 250 watt bulb is heating up to a high temperature and it doesn't flicker and it helps to and it's all red. So it helps to kind of drown out a lot of the blue, but oh, also, okay also drowns out the flicker and so you know and we can measure that with with our with our equipment and you can actually see a reduction in the blue light on the meters uh and also the flicker effect and it fills in the gaps of the flicker and it kind of irradiates you with more of the red um Mm. so so i'm assuming then that this would be something that like i don't know let's say in your living room you would have that at night as your main source of light right so you just take you know, turn off all the other lights, turn that on and essentially have like more of a red light environment with the TV um, beaming out. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a modern campfire that you can plug into the mm. wall without the detriment of the electric fields coming close cool. to your body. Well, that's really cool. Yeah. I'm going to check that out. I did not know about that. So thank you. Um, yeah. Anything else you feel that we haven't touched on that you really want to share with people? Well, I think we've touched on a lot of things. There's always more, more to share, but um, I think it's just really important for uh, the bedroom. That's something we kind of haven't touched on much is, was mm. the timing of this. So we kind of with shielded healing. We have a priority uh, that, you know, whenever you shield is ideally meant to happen when you're healing or when you're rejuvenating. And so, like when you're sleeping, that's the most important. That's when your body is actually, your brain is detoxing, your lymphatics are draining and your body is actually repairing and restoring nutrients and things like that all while you're sleeping. And that's eight hours every single day, a third of your day, a third of your life is, is right in your bedroom and you're Mm -hmm. in one spot. So if that one spot is horrible, then you're in a horrible spot for a third of your life. Uh, but if you can optimize that, then you've got a third of your life where you are really killing it. And it's the time when you're supposed to be healing the most. It's the innate body's innate intelligence 
the chosen time to rebuild and repair and make improvements for your health. So that's the most important by far. That's the most important location to, to optimize for your electromagnetic stress. But then there's other times too. So anytime your body is in a parasympathetic state, that's when you sleep, when you eat, and then also when you detox. And so if you're, if you're detoxifying or going through a detoxification protocol, it's very important to be free of these stressors as well. And then also when you eat, your digestion is a parasympathetic process. They call it rest and digest. Mm -hmm. And so if you're eating in a really stressed out environment with high EMF at your office desk or in under the fluorescent lights and the, and next to the Wi-Fi router and the cordless phone and the headset and everything, then you're not going to digest your food very well. Even if you're eating the most pristine wild caught salmon and oysters and seaweed and everything, you know, you could, you could uh, be eating the most pristine diet ever. And if you don't digest it, then it's basically just going right, right down the toilet, literally. Mm. So being, that makes sense. Yeah. You know, being in an environment where you are free of it or very low, or you can at least try to relax, that's so, so important. And so often I'll recommend people like after you have a, a space shielded, if you're at home and, the, and that space is at home, eat at your dinner table, but then go and spend an hour in your shielded room and digest your food, relax, let that all kind of soak in, let those nutrients do what they're supposed to be doing. And, you know, I've seen people that have had horrible digestion start to do that and it starts to improve just by doing that without taking any pills or anything. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And one of the articles that I found fascinating on your website kind of ties into this is um, the whole idea of, of chronic infections and how EMFs can really um, exacerbate that or perhaps just, you know, if you're trying to do, um, I don't know, some kind of SIBO or Candida protocol or treat some kind of infection and you're bathing them in EMFs, you're just not getting anywhere. Um, yeah, so, you it, know, which, which then, which then, you know, if you sort of go further with that, uh, obviously we have a microbiome inside of us, you know, with good bacteria that help us digest our food and make nutrients for us, etc. So, you know, it makes sense that if you're eating in an EMF polluted environment, um, you know, or if you're dealing with an infection or autoimmune disease or something like that, you're you're not going to have an easy time um, remedying that. Yeah, it becomes very difficult because it's it's stressing your own cells, but the the pathogens inside of you and even the microbiome they perceive EMF as a stressor as well, mm -hmm. and so then they like the pathogens, the parasites, the viruses, bacteria, they go into survival mode and start to proliferate like crazy because they wow. want to survive, and so that the whole phenomena happens and that reactivates your immune system and then the parasites retreat or, or whatever it is, the pathogen retreats into uh, a tissue that's harder to get it, get it out of later. And that's when the immune system starts to attack that tissue, that organ, and that's kind of autoimmunity starts to happen. And that's just yeah. one scenario. It's not, it's usually multiple things that, yeah. that create a perfect storm for diseases to happen. But EMF is definitely a part of, a part of the scenario that a lot of people aren't looking at. Mm -hmm. Well, fascinating stuff, Brian. Um, you know, I, I definitely learned a ton on today's podcast and I've learned a lot from you just, um, you know, reading some of the stuff you're putting out there, seeing some of your posts. So, um, yeah, thank you for coming on the show and enlightening us. 
Yeah, thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. And um, before I let you go, where what's the best place for people to connect with you? Oh, uh, yeah, you can go on the website shieldedhealing.com. And then we do, you probably saw us on Facebook. So we got a lot of uh, activity on Facebook. We have this public group called Shielded Healing for Beginners. You can search for that, join it, ask questions. I often answer questions on there and people from my team as well. But yeah, we do assessments all over the United States. We're going to start to go up into Canada too. So Sweet. When uh, is that happening? Do you know? I don't know, but I just got my passport like a few months ago. <laughs> awesome. And planning on doing some stuff for uh, Nick Pinault up there and and uh, some other Canadian friends. So okay. you're going to be part of that group, I hope. And yeah, yeah. And we'll, we'll uh, maybe kick it somewhere. It'll be fun. Okay. Awesome. All right. Thanks so much, Brian. And uh, everyone out there listening, hopefully you enjoyed today's episode and learned a ton. I know I did. And uh, as always, um, please share this with your friends, your family, your community. Um, subscribe to the show, leave us a review, do whatever you can to help me bring more awesome guests like Brian. Uh, So yeah, we'll leave it at that and you have yourself a beautiful day wherever you are. (laughs) 